This is Wandering Swords, a Berserk podcast where we cover the series Berserk in all its multimedia incarnations, from the manga to the animated series to the film series and potentially the video game series, if we get around to it, because it's on Dreamcast and I don't have a Dreamcast. I'm Dave. <laughs> and I'm Nick. Do you have a Dreamcast, Nick? You know, I don't. I actually had one up until a few years ago and i got i got on some uh some hard times and uh had to sell it along with all my games but uh, i kind of regret it now because uh you know now that we are uh in quarantine mode i kind of wish i had more games to play on hand yeah there was a there was a pretty good collection of games on that i i had i uh, the same i didn't sell it i don't think i may have like given it to a sibling or something but i i distinctly remember picking it up uh, oh, I don't know. Two two thousand two thousand somewhere around then um, when mm-hmm. Toys R Us had yeah, them I got on it, sale uh, for like forty bucks. Yeah, I got it right when it came out. I was uh, I was one of the lucky few. It was uh, I think I got it for my birthday or Christmas that year, and uh, it was one of the happiest days of my life. You, I cannot <laughs> tell you how happy I was to play Sonic Adventure, a very mediocre game. Yes, yes. I think I primarily picked it up for the um, the Dead or Alive series because the version on there was like just superior to the the, the PlayStation one at the time. Yes, and do people like the Berserk game? I don't. <laughs> or series? Of games? I don't well think that they no. I I don't believe so, but I also think it's just because of lack of people actually playing it. The Dreamcast is a sort of forgotten system at this point. Um, at least in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that would have been Guts Rage um, was the game, and I distinctly remember it. Um, I did not have a chance to play it. I should have because my the, the video store that I worked at at the time had a copy, um, and I instead rented uh, Mackin X, which was a spinoff of the um, Shin Megami Tensei series, which was kind of cool, okay. but maybe not as cool as running around as Guts. Well, I remember... Um... Last time I was at GameStop, I was looking through the uh, the used PS4 section, and they did have the Berser- some Berserk game there. I think it was called like called like Guts and the Band of the Hawk or something like that. Uh, yes, that one is the Musou um, Samurai Warriors uh, kind of clone. It's a, a partnership between that I see. I company, see. and then they just pick different franchises and uh, Samurai Warriors them. Uh, so I, I do have that. I picked it up actually sort of the same. Graph the formula onto them, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. And um, I bought that like the day it came out. I was just really wanted to play as Guts running around with Big Sword, which I, I had distinctly recalled. You know, I missed I missed the boat on the Dreamcast, but I'm not. Gosh darn it! I'm not going to miss the boat this time. And then I played for like two hours and decided I didn't care about it. <laughs> like it's fine. <laughs> like the gameplay, it's it's it it serves a function. You just smash five hundred enemies, you know, in a few minutes. Um, that's the formula of the game. Protect point A, go run to point B, take out generals. It's a yeah. It's a straightforward thing, but it does cover. Um, I don't know what it goes through because I didn't finish playing it but uh it it definitely follows the the storyline f- as much as you can in that sort of game um through little weird cutscenes and the stuff that it asks you to do um 
I'll probably reinstall it and, you know, take the time to give it a look over because yes, we have a little bit of time on our hands for the, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, not to, um, you know, we'll obviously, uh, dive into the volume here, but, uh, I would think that Berserk, you know, when you think about it, it actually lends itself pretty well to a video game treatment because obviously you've got guts with his big sword and he just smashes a million, you know, uh, demons and whatnot. But also you've got like the whole mini boss sort of formula where it's like every so often you just run into like a big dude in armor or like some sort of like nasty demon creature. And it, yeah. it just it uh, seems like you could actually be pretty mm, faithful to the manga. I think you could, and it's if very, you it's, it's to. already it's fairly formulaic in how it kind of lays everything out. Um, it's it's strength sure, yeah. lies in playing with that, but um, also exploring various like serious uh, sort of real world issues, but couching them in this like absurdity that is berserk. Um, and, you know, of course, tossing a little bit of humor in here and there. We, um, we're actually going to be getting more humor than you would, one would think in these particular arcs that are kicking off. Um, this, this, uh, this episode, we will be covering volumes 18 and 19 of the manga. So continuing into mm-hmm. the conviction arc, um, full steam ahead because this has some stuff. <laughs> I, I just had forgotten the the exact point of 11 that this was turned up to yeah yeah it really does it really does crank it up um and i gotta say i am glad to be back in what i would consider to be the heart of the story which has to do with um you know like this whole like the religious fervor and the fact that uh you know, Griffith slash Femto is sort of hanging like a specter over this whole thing. Um, you know, and we're obviously getting Casca back. And, uh, I, you know, I'm I'm glad to be there again because, you know, while I did enjoy the whole, you know, the, the whole Misty Valley run and everything like that, it, it, it did feel a bit like a side quest. Yeah, it was certain, it was definitely it was definitely a side story and it didn't really it gave us some time for more characterization but not of our main characters. So it it yeah. didn't serve as much of a purpose aside from fleshing out um, a few things. And then tie, I think tying up some loose ends uh, for some of the characters and then apostles and, and things we saw earlier, you know, years before in terms of the manga. But it um, it just gave us more of like Midland. It's like an idea and fleshing out some of their mythos and kind of giving you an idea of their culture, uh, what they were doing. But it's all sort of pulled from very uh, uh, European fairy tale folklore mold, like almost directly. Yeah. And so I think because of that, you know, we're getting an an interesting view of it through um, an Eastern lens, but it's nothing that's like unfamiliar like to us, I think. Mm-hmm. So that it feels yeah. like it's just retreading like a ground that's been done before. Um, whereas these these yeah, arcs, kind of, of, um... I mean, this do the same thing, but it's not that same degree. The the, the mixture is a little stronger as this moves in. Yeah. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, I mean, I guess while I was reading about, you know, Jill and, and Rosine and all that, I, I was kind of assuming that Jill would just sort of become Guts's, um, like, you know, his, his partner in some way, or like yeah. she would just become his like sidekick. That's, that's where I honestly thought the whole story was leading to. And I was a little bit surprised that Kentaro just kind of decided to um, cl- like close off that whole story so neatly and just sort of send us off totally removed from it. Uh, like I said, I, I enjoyed it, but um, it does feel more like uh, a diversion now that we're sort of back into the more um, um, uh, back into a storyline that has greater stakes, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think kind of what it ended up doing was putting Guts in a position of weakness so that he could go to the blacksmith and level up and get new equipment. Like, that's what it kind of did, in in effect, was it, it put him where he needed yeah. to get n- new stuff to, to match new mm-hmm. challenges. Yeah, and which we're, and we're about to see him, uh, about to see him play with his new toys and yes he he gets up he gives him a full workout um as as we kick off so volume 18 this is the conviction arc birth ceremony chapter and we do uh we get the sidekick you were craving maybe not in the form (laughs) you might have been craving yeah yeah i i like i like this guy though no, he's 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 good. This is yeah, Ishijo, and um, he's the the plucky youth with uh, the extra bravado that comes with such youth, and um, the the bit of trickery that he can pull. I like his hairstyle. It's a nice, it's a nice yeah, little hairstyle. Yeah, he has he a has. very um, he has a very like a. Uh... Like early two thousands, yeah. I was gonna say it's very nineties. Like <laughs> maybe that's why <laughs> it's uh, he's he's pulling the old JT <laughs> with the, just not without. Yeah, he looks the, like me the, in fifth the grade. Ramen here, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we find out that he's he's a bit of a, a tricky rapscallion. I never thought I would use those words, but we there they are, and uh, he's <laughs> he's. <laughs> He's working kind of in tandem or under the thumb of a local mercenary group of this little town that he's living in and uh, just kind of running around and stealing. So we, we talked a little bit about the um, the downfall of Midland and what the, uh, the, the age of man coming to an end, what that kind of meant uh, in terms of now there's just a lot of there's just more strife. There's more all the, the, the outfall. The outfall. The um, the fallout, <laughs> the outfall, the fallout of this war, this one hundred years war, um, has put everything into like dire straits. Uh, not to mention the king having gone insane and committed all of his forces instead of into economic rebuilding has put them into uh, a manhunt mode for two years. There's there's problems. There's a lot of problems with that. The Kushan have decided yes. to use this moment to invade. They are just rolling around about the countryside um, in in troop form and also on giant war elephants, which is pretty cool, uh, and just pillaging. Um, but the the ragtag mercenary bands that were hired um, 
I'm imagining ostensibly to work either on uh, side of Midland or on uh, Tudor um, during the war are now just left to their own devices and taking what they please from the, the plague ridden and otherwise ruined um, villages that are left over from the war. Um, the group here with Isidro, they're, uh, they're a motley crew and they're a bunch of goofballs also, which is great because they're like, it's all, it's taking the setting seriously, but not the characters, I guess is the best way to put it because these guys are dumb. Yeah. Yeah. In like yeah, a, exactly. in like a charming way, totally <laughs> like buffoonish. charming yeah. idiots. Uh, and they just get handed to him by a small child. Uh, yeah, they they get they get their asses handed to them by a small child who uh, wields the greatest weapon of all, which is a, uh, a, a string of sausage links. <laughs> yes, against them, links of sausage. Which I enjoy it. Yes, it's really good. Yeah. And he has a, a a sword that's way too big for. It. So it's echoing like early guts, but more of a like goofy innocence because he's he's adroit at some yeah. things but like his general level of strength is not there even though he's he's still in i guess arguably good shape for a, for a little guy he's pretty mm-hmm. ripped so yeah he does he does his thing i i yeah. just i think guts would have been better off if he had had sausage links that's just my opinion yeah and um so he's i feel like if Puck was human sized, he would be Ishidro. Or if a yeah. cat was a person. Yeah. That's what you're kind of getting with this. <laughs> yeah, they're sort of um yeah, Ishidro is a little bit of a comic relief character as well. Not not quite as overtly not, yeah. as Puck per se, but he's he's kind of silly. He's sort of a mischievous little little goblin. Yeah, but he's he's still effective, so he's slightly more effective yeah. than uh chestnut wielding puck. Who who can hold his own against small demons, we yes. now have found out. So he's he's also gained a little bit of <laughs> strength. But um my my favorite yes. bit in this first Absolutely. part is um uh Ichidro is kind of he's it's not even a crying wolf, he's just the other mercenary group shows up, or I guess the larger contingent of it shows up and sees all the dudes that he just like knocked out. Um, and he's just pretending because he had stolen a lot of rations. Uh, Michidro did. And he's pretending that, uh, the Kushan uh, are the ones that, uh, beat up everyone. And the, the mercenaries, like the other captain guy, he's not really having it. He's going, well, so you're, why are you like unharmed? The Kushan aren't known for, um, sparing children like that's not their mo um and he uh he was like oh, they're right over there and of course they actually are over there they've they've shown up and encircled the entire um little bit of town by being sweet rooftop ninjas mm-hmm. yeah and we've very, seen these it's guys very before. good yes this is not our, uh... it's not our it's not our first time um but uh, they they make quick work of the mercenary group. They've slaughtered it. Ishidro is he's at his wits' end, and who rolls up? Man with sword. Yes. Yeah. Guts. Yeah. And um, this panel here of guts is really really great. It's sort of him uh, 
really really his cape is the star of this thing here um and this is an image that i've actually seen a lot um online like if you just sort of look at berserk stuff mm-hmm. you will see this exact image right here uh represented a lot like i remember specifically i i uh, wanted to go and, and listen to the soundtrack of the uh the 90s anime mm-hmm. and um like some of the tracks here like the thumbnail is this exact image here so when i saw this i was like oh i recognize that yeah it's definitely it's the the wandering swordsman mm-hmm. uh but what i like is it's a yes. two-page spread so if you're using the uh, the digital version as I am, you actually get treated to just his cape on one page because it's just a one page cut of just cape and the Kushan turning at the sound of this goal, like the sound of dust. And, and then, of course, you, you turn the page and it's just full on guts in cape. And, ah, then, and then just and cool. then just like the next page is him like mean mugging all of them. It's really good. <laughs> yeah and um these guys they they refer to themselves as the uh the bakiraka who uh will remember from uh, a few volumes ago uh were working for the king yes um, they are the the clan of assassins yeah and they they say that they are looking for the land of oracle interestingly yes. enough Don't quite know what that is. We we but. have not found, although we will, I think, get little hints um, because there's, of course, a lot of little prophecies um, popping up again uh, throughout these two volumes. Yeah. Uh, we are treated to all kinds uh, of little seeds being planted. Yes, and a bunch of men's getting cut in half. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, of course. I mean, do lot. we even need to say it? <laughs> It's in one swing here. Yep. One swing, sir. Many men's. And yes, then a, a sweet, a sweet yeah, picture of, course, of his, his new sword. And he's like, I didn't think I'd get to try it out so soon. <laughs> yeah, and he says, yeah, this is the kind of work I'd expect from Godot. Yep. It's, it's excellent. And of course, this just incites uh, Ishidro into like a fervor of wanting to... Uh, follow after tag after this man who's just mowing down the guys that uh he he only knows as like a, a horrible terror that's that's plaguing the countryside and he's not even he's literally not really breaking a sweat and just taking them all out yeah i'm sure that if you're uh, a scavenger uh like Isidro is to a certain extent and you see somebody come along who is just uh, overwhelmingly powerful and competent, like guts. You're gonna wanna um, hit yourself to his wagon. Of course, we get uh, a return of the the um, Kushan prince, and he's now Indeed. surrounded by an entourage, an entourage of four very large men. These are the Tapasa, so they are, are all part of mm-hmm. the Bakiraka. And what's great about um, there's the the, large, the the panel with the prince and the four guys surrounding him is uh, not only are they huge, but um, you can see all the striking surfaces of their body are covered in just like the largest calluses. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And they also, uh, they have unique symbols on yes. their forehead, which I found interesting. Each of them has a different symbol. Very curious about that. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to dig into, or I will, I guess, make an effort to dig into some, uh, some, maybe some Vedic scriptures, because I have some on hand. <laughs> yeah. That'll have a little bit more information on that. And that. Yep. But uh, that that wraps up our our little intro, and guts is just legging it. He's lego he's legolasing, legolas. He's just running across all of it, very fast. Oh, you mean for, for like uh, Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yes, he's 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 running the the many leagues. Um, the Orlando no, Bloom, yeah. Yes, there's no there's no horse, and he's he's going to Isengard to get the hobbits <laughs> yes yeah i'm pretty sure that's where guts is going yep you can't prove he's not you cannot he doesn't say his destination he just knows it's the place where he's gotta go um mm-hmm. yeah that brings and, uh, us and actually um on, sorry on the on that note um we're actually gonna go a pretty healthy stretch here without guts um basically Maybe like half the volume or more. I think it's uh, more. It's, it's, it's a lot again. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is which I think is probably just off the top of my head the longest stretch of the series that we've gone without any guts whatsoever. Like we spend a lot of time here with uh, Luca, Nina, and Casca, and all those people um, before we actually get back to guts. So we're we're, we're taking a little break our friend here yeah and it's um it's not uh i don't mind it because it's, it's giving us again a lot of characters to kind of care about and then worry how long they are going to actually survive because that's just how this usually works but we are back with casca yeah. actually mm-hmm. sort of vaguely she's there mm-hmm. um so yeah, this is the the uh Holy Iron Chain knights uh have escorted um Lord Mosgus and his executioners to the Tower of Conviction in Albion. Um they're they've crossed the land the, the and encountered all these refugees uh and the various uh heretic elements that need to be purged um we find that one of the uh, higher ranking i guess priests was uh flayed alive probably because somebody's hung up his skin and cloak um on a tree and Mosgus and company do not care for that that is spurred on a larger heretic purging and it also introduces us to a devilish pair of eyes that we will spend two volumes wondering what they belong to, because it does not tell us. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I have my suspicion about who those eyes might belong to, but um, I do not know for sure yet. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see how, uh, how that shakes out. Yeah, I'll be I'll be excited to see what your thoughts are um, versus what it actually turns out to be. 
Okay. Because it should uh, it should be interesting. Maybe if you, a little if you, bit if of you a can, curveball. If you can guess this, <laughs> I would be highly impressed. Oh, okay. So maybe it's maybe it's not who I thought it was, which is exciting. Yes, be food for probably the next episode, actually. Um, yeah, there's a lot of refugees begging for alms. That's usually a bad idea uh, because just saying the little bit of wrong thing gets the uh, Holy Iron Chain Knights fired up. Um, and we get the... Uh, I don't know, this is pretty bad. <laughs> the, the, there's a lady <laughs> with her sick child. Um, she's kind of defying... I don't know. I, I don't exactly understand the hows and like what parts they think are heretical and what parts they don't. They just kind of arbitrarily make up heresies is what it feels like. Um, they just really don't like people just touching them. That she, um... Yeah, I think she's like trying to take offerings that were meant for the church like the, food and things like it, that because her baby is gonna die Isn't yes that what's going so on they 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 have the caravan and the wagon of provisions and they are being stolen so yes that that does make sense um yeah yeah but a lot of it's um weirdly like rationed out so it's of course not enough to yeah. feed everybody because there's a bazillion refugees, but um, they're they're kind of picking and choosing who gets what and what small amounts they get, and it's never enough to feed all these people. Uh, but the lady's just trying to get food for her her infant son, maybe slightly bigger than an infant, he's a little, little child, but um, still of nursing age apparently. And uh, Mosgus takes it's not even pity uh he's, he's showing the lord's mercy and saying that yes the child will be cared for um but you uh you've you i respect that you're willing to like you're showing your love for your child by doing this like misdeed but you've still done a bad mm. thing so you'll have to just pay for that and then everything will be fine you'll have you'll have, you'll have been absolved afterwards um of your heretical ways yeah so it'll be fine it'll be great yeah she is he yeah he, he expresses some admiration for the fact that she's going to uh stick her neck out and essentially commit what he considers to be a form of heresy by taking food uh some of which is apparently meant for the church um and he says you know what I, I, I like you so much that I'm going to go ahead and take care of your baby. Um, but uh, you're coming to the torture chamber. And um, that leads to um, probably some of the most gruesome panels that we get so far in Berserk. Yeah, they this, do. This horrible <laughs> seed of... Yeah. Up, yeah, it's like upside down sinners there. They, they, um, Kentaro f did his research, found every torture device that anyone's ever used, and decided to draw them all into like two panels. Yeah, it's all the medieval torture devices that you can think of. Um, you've got like the bed of nails, you've got like the chair of nails, you've got people being just stretched and stabbed in all sorts of different ways. Um, all done the... by our friends, the torturers. 
wheel, met the, the wheel of fire. There's the yeah hanging people with giant clamps on their boobs. There's the sit on a weird pyramid thing, crushing someone's head torture, which that, that just kills you. Um, yeah, there's all the hits. All yep, all the latest greatest. Um, however, what we are treated to is the second of many Mozga's face that are the best. <laughs> yeah, are you you're talking about the um you possess it's, such courage? Face? Yes. Yeah. I had yeah, a right because it's it's so like it's at the drop of a hat. He has robot face in the previous page. And then he gets the yeah. the 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 Patent, patent, pentated, pentated, uh, shadowy with eyes face. And then the snotty weeping with joy face. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, he's got, his face is just, his face is just hideously wrinkled and he's got just like rivers of tears coming down and he's got, yeah, like the little snot droplets and he says, you possess such courage. I do so want you to overcome this trial provided by God. Yeah. Mosgus is a... He's a... I, fi- I find him very creepy, I must say. He's, so he's, he's creepy, he's so but like, he's not, like, pretending, which is... Uh, it's good for the character. Yeah, he, he's, he's a true he's believer. He's a Absolutely. devout man. Like, this is what he do. And for that, he gets, like, a lot of credit. Because he's not written as, like, a flat yeah, guy and he that's, is like, a charlatan or something. No, he's... Sure. He's, he's in this, in, a, in for a penny, in for a pound. Probably a pound of your flesh while he's at it. Yeah, and... Yeah, he's crying because he does earnestly want her to overcome this this trial. He wants her to survive being tortured. Um, because he, look, he thinks it's sweet that she, uh, wants to provide for her child. Um, she, she just did it in the wrong way. He, uh, he's, re- he's really, yeah, he's rooting for her. Yeah. He's rooting for her. He's rooting for everybody. He just, he wants everyone to be loved by God and, and do the right thing. And if you do the wrong thing, uh, that can be fixed. But mm-hmm. you probably die, also die. Yeah. Yeah, once again, uh, Kentaro perhaps <laughs> t- taking some uh, some suspicious stances on uh, devout Christianity here. Yeah, is my guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that that brings but, uh, yeah. us right into the. Uh, well, I guess technically it's right into the loving arms of Luca, our next kind of main character. Quite literally, sort of again. Yeah, yeah it's Luca and her, uh, her Mary, her Mary, her, Brent, her, her, her Mary her boy. <laughs> yes, and her boy Jerome. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, Jerome, who, uh, who uh, I'd like. I don't know. By the time he shows up later in the next volume, I had like forgotten who he was. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, he has like, that like. Now, I'm like, oh yeah, that's him. This guy. It's this guy yeah. with like the best get scared face. Also, 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and as far as, okay, so mm-hmm. our track record for dudes is usually pretty poor. This guy's pretty stand-up guy. Yeah. 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 On the berserk scale of men, he's, uh, I guess you could say he's one of the good ones. Uh, considering the way that he uh, makes himself of use to these women later. Yes. Uh, and his general, like, views in him, he's, like, begrudgingly doing this job as a pursuer of heretics. I mean, yeah, it's not a great job, and it's probably wrong, but he kind of knows that. And he's a, he's a, he's a confessed libertine. We don't know what that means in, in pure context of this, but, uh, he's, he's more, um, willing to, uh, kind of hash the details on stuff. Like mm-hmm. he's not, he's not a devout yeah, believer. And he he's just doing a job. Well. Yes. And she she yeah. sees that as potentially empty because there's been, you know, how many other men that have professed all their undying love to her and showered her with, with trinkets um, and then just left. But uh, he's he's saying basically like, you know, once this job is finished, let's go. Um, well, technically, he's, he's very realistic. He's a very pragmatic individual. He's like, I'm sort of nobility because that's how all these Holy Iron Chain Knights guys are. Uh, I can't marry you. Because of our stations. But uh, I can have mistress, mistresses and you can be set up in the lap of luxury. It'll be great. <laughs> so he's very pragmatic about it and he's very earnest about it. And um, I think that that's touching to Luca. Although she's, um, however, because of her line of work and her general history and the state of the world, all those things wrapped up together. Uh, she's more realistic about it as well. Thinking that like he's just telling her sweet you know, um, pillow talk, bed, bedtime things. Um, but, uh, we'll find out that he's a little bit more serious than, um, than she thinks he is. Yeah. And I, I really do actually enjoy the degree to which, um, these prostitutes do become our de facto heroes over the next few chapters here. It's, yeah, it's it's a nice it's, change of pace to unexpected. see them have agency because yeah. for most of what we've very seventeen volumes of this, um, women just have not fared well, and it's not great. And uh, yeah, there's like stuff here that's not great either. But um, they're they're treated more as people. They're given agency. They're given kind of their own little story arc, which is phenomenal in, in light of everything else that goes on uh and it's it's just very nice to see and it's also nice to see casca back even though she has um suffered the the traditional fate and is just not herself she has yeah. been in, yep. in, infantilized the, uh... oh yeah big time <laughs> yeah for sure and yeah part of the reason um characters like Luca and Nina um the way that they're treated here is so refreshing is because like you know even women ostensibly in positions of power in the story like Casca and like Farnese um despite the fact that they are you know leaders of men and they're uh, you know they're competent and they're they're fighters and and the like um Kentaro has a way of um 
stripping them of their agency. You know, obviously Casca being the most extreme example because she's like just she's essentially like a I don't know like a zombie now. You know, and Farnese was like a you know like a just like naked being possessed by demons. Yeah, you know, straddling guts his sword in the last episode, but um, you know the Luca and. Um, Nina in particular here, they get to sort of be a little bit more um they're uh, they're, they're, like a, they're like a, a foil to that. I guess. Yes. And and they're yeah. so everyone has a bad background. That's just part and parcel of this world. You know, no one gets away from the growing up and not having it have been that way. Unless you were it like a parade of suffering. Yeah. Yes, for 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 the most part, I think some people like these uh, Holy Iron Chain Knights are kind of like on that um, the other end of that spectrum where they've just been coddled. Yeah, but, they're uh, kind of the the the, the, chain, the chain Knights. They're like the bourgeoisie, you know. Yeah, but um, what we get with uh, Luca, Nina, and then the, the other um, the other ladies, they're they have their little tragic backstories, but it only like. <laughs> Generally, I guess in the case of Nina, that's not the ex- that she's the exception. But um, Luca and the other the other prostitutes, they um, they're making the best of a bad situation. Uh, they're they're doing their best. They're um, they're they're being pragmatic. They are looking out for one another. Um, that's that's I think that is maybe the largest thing is that they're not self absorbed. Um, or at least Luca is not self-absorbed. She's interested in the well, the well-being of the other women. Uh, she's looking out for everyone else, not just herself. And because of that, that's making her like a stronger person. It's it's when people are concerned specifically with their own um, successes or their own safety that uh, things fall apart. And I think that that's another theme that the story kind of deals with. Guts, uh, although he does his own thing it's not it's 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 his anger his rage his feelings toward what was taken uh he's acting selfishly on like a level but it's also out of a sort of um grudge and and respect for the the fallen members of the band of the hawk and he's in like a like the one sort of position to where he's able to kind of push through things where other people would would just die. So he's given, yeah. you know, of course some plot armor quite quite a bit of times, but um anyone else that tries to behave any kind of way tangent to that just they don't fare well usually. No. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, this whole this whole um opening scene is is interesting here we get we learn we learn that uh first of all casca is under disguise um she is um she's been wrapped up sort of like a old school invisible man style um with with bandages all over her face and luca's story is that uh this is her syphilitic sister elaine um and she's basically doing it to protect Casca from the men around them. Who, yes. Uh, doubtlessly, if they find out that she's like a beautiful, healthy young woman there, they're going to 
expect her uh, to 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 put entertain, out with them, frankly. to entertain people. Yeah, um, it's, yeah not, exactly. it's not it's and, not um, a it's not a pretty situation. No, it's it's not. But um, you know, Luca, mm-hmm. she, um, yeah, like like you said, they're they're all looking out for each other, and um, this manifests as well in this scene that I enjoy where Luca is gifted this pearl necklace um, and she splits it. She breaks it and uh, distributes the pearls evenly amongst her and uh, the other women, the other prostitutes that she's sang with. Um, And her reason for this is essentially that she's trying to um, mitigate any resentment or inequality amongst them because obviously um they are very vulnerable and the last thing they need is is infighting you know in the midst of this um this this massive inquisition this 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 witch hunt that's going on so um i i appreciated that it's kind of a sweet uh, an unusually sweet scene for by berserk standards yes um, and we we do get my favorite thing. If if Casca has to be a bit of a goofball, she continues to try to eat these pearls the, the entire time they're present. It's it's multiple times throughout. Yeah. She just sticks them in her mouth, chews it, and then <laughs> spits it out when it's not uh, well. Technically, someone Luca makes her spit it out, but she she does this quite often. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> Actually, she this is a kind of a recurring joke where. Casca tries to eat stuff, and my my favorite instance of it by far is uh, in the next volume. We'll we'll point yeah. it out when we get there. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's really good to see. Um, and this this is in fact, if you hearken all the way back, all the way back, many many episodes back to the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had our boy Gambino and his his camp prostitute lady friend and i had mentioned that this was going to come up again um because we would specifically see uh kind of how um the camp prostitutes how they functioned and how they worked um socially and that was this so it only took 19 or 18 volumes for that (laughs) to come back around good lord wow yeah good call playing the long game <laughs> it's a pretty nice detail to remember, uh, especially considering you said you hadn't read this in, in many years. Yep. But, uh, it's, it's um, I, I think it's because of the the characters had such strong personalities that uh, that that bit did stick with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so the girls leave to go off and do work. I believe is what the case happens to be. Uh, and that leaves Nina, our, our uh, sort of sheep coiffed um, friend. She has the best poofy hair. Uh, she's in charge of um, Casca. Not the greatest move because she's kind of caught up in her own little troubles um, right now. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, so there's a weird scene here where she, uh, where Nina, our, our Goldilocks figure here, um, picks up a rock and throws it, uh, I guess at, at, at a guy who's accused of being a heretic. 
Well, so um, what, what's happening there is everyone's stoning the heretic, and there's a, a, like a mother that's – the crowd is in a fury, and everyone's worried about heretics because the the Holy Iron Chain Knights are just making excuses, or you can – it's that idea that you can just brand somebody a witch or say that they're a heretic, and they're just going to be getting taken care of. So um, animosities can kind of be – taken care of that way but there's a there's a, little, uh, a young mother who's telling her child just throw, throw the stones quickly so someone doesn't see that they're not like doing the thing um all of the ladies that are chucking the stones are giving nina the the evil eye like she needs to throw something too or else they're gonna throw stones at her which is why she has to chuck the stone yeah and uh ironic because we learned that nina um is actually a heretic yeah she's <laughs> but, like, she's is, like, legitimately she, a heretic. she is one of the few she's part of the cult of the goddess of the flame yeah boy that's wild can't it's wait to a, talk about that it's a thing and it's gonna come up pretty quick uh first we get some spooky yeah. uh rotten bodies in the it's not a, it's a little stream, little river that they're uh, mm-hmm. they're just washing in, and uh, yeah, there's some dead bodies rolling up in there, and it's in the it's in the shadow of the Tower of Conviction, which is um, well, it's kind it's weirdly phallic giant building. It looks like a linga. Like yeah, a, not the first. Not the first weird phallus that we're going to see here. No. No. Maybe the largest, I guess. It's huge. It's pretty big. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're the, the river, because it's in the shadow of the... And I just now thought of this. There's a little bit of a storm going on. It's still daytime. I think it's still daytime. Uh, but because everything, the camp is in the shadow of the tower, uh, spirits can exist. They can manifest themselves in, during the day because it's it's partially darkened by this giant holy building, which is even more ironic. But um, they are 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 thirsting for Nina and Casca, and they kind of get driven off by our everyone's favorite um, cursed fetus. <laughs> yeah, the incubus. Yeah, and Casca, her brand we can assume this is uh it's what was attracting yeah attracting these entities to her yeah yep and we get sweet binocular vision um from our unknown entity yep this this mysterious eyes and the eyes that overlook the tower of conviction there's some really good, just as always, we say that, but you know, we're not we're not being facetious. There's really good panels, a lot of good composition going on here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we could literally, even if we just didn't like analyze and recap the story at all, we could just we could just spend time like admiring like page here and just talk about like <laughs> yeah, like how amazing the artwork is. Like it is worth just pointing out every once in a while just to stop and appreciate just Kentaro's just massive uh, totally impressive level of artistry I mean he doesn't he does not phone it in like no I mean even just these panels here with uh 
this the spirits crawling over the log and all these like horrible close-ups of their ragged faces and all that it's just the the level of detail is just so impressive always and there's always so much care just to make stuff seem as impactful as possible yeah and um before we let before we leave this little bit i did like the dialogue of these cursed um bodies because a lot of these are the the fallen refugees um or people from the battle it doesn't you know they're they're decayed flesh but um just their dialogue though i prayed anguish i kept praying pain give back body where is my warm body curse you curse you god i'm hungry so all of those Mm -hmm. uh resentment from the like their life is just stuck with them uh and they they we've just we've hammered this home and we're just gonna keep talking about it but the afterlife in this universe is not a great thing it is a terrible thing and who's to say that these tortured souls are any worse off for this uh because they're not stuck to the like never-ending maelstrom of gross flesh that you <laughs> usually get stuck into when you die <laughs> and then lose yeah, lose all parts of yourself i don't know um because that way you don't even you lose all your 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 sense of self because you are just a blob of flesh um or you are a freezy cold hungry revenant um i don't know they're, mm. they're neither of those are good fates but such is berserk world no as bad as life is for the vast majority of people in berserk i think death is probably worse yeah and, and it's permanent so no, no one no <laughs> one goes gently into that good night in berserk yeah, and your only recourse is if you somehow, like, manage to possess somebody, but then again, as soon as you get hit by daylight, you unpossess them. Yep. You know, I'm starting to think the only way out of this might be to, um, like, sacrifice a few hundred people and ascend to godhood. That's probably your best choice. I mean, <laughs> out of everything <laughs> that happens, the guys that are the the people that have it the best are these apostles because they're set up all high and yeah. mighty. They generally have some sort of like, uh, uh, mental stability. They're have an identity, you know, that may be to varying degrees mm-hmm. and they're definitely, their humanity is on the wane, um, depending on how much they sacrificed, but they're pretty cush. And the only problem that ever comes along is a uh, man with big sword. Otherwise, no one would have done anything to them. Yeah, they're living the good life, in my opinion. Pretty much. I mean, as long as you're cool with just, like, um, slaughtering everybody who's ever meant anything to you, um, you can you can live a pretty cushy existence. Yeah, and it seems they are generally kind of resorted to cannibalism in one way or another. The only exception we may see is Zod. Uh he doesn't seem to crave uh, the flesh. Yeah. He just craves battle. <laughs> yep. But, uh, let's see what do we got going on here. We got uh, uh, we are we are back with oh. Jerome. Yeah, we're back with we're back with Jerome. Uh, we're also we get a little bit more detail. Uh, 
to my surprise, about uh, our friend the plague doctor here. And yes, and the ex- um, the executioner on a... the whole. The executioner's what? Uh, on the, just just in general, I'm just saying that we we're getting a oh yes mm-hmm. beneath the mask and uh, sort of a humanizing element for them because of course they are masked uh, otherwise. Yeah, we 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 essentially find out that the uh, the plague doctor here, as well as all the other torturers, were uh, children who were taken in by 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 Musgus. Mm-hmm. And um, he, in particular, of the plague mask, was a a very sickly child that uh, that Mosgus came upon, and uh, you know, sort of took advantage of their low station in life to uh, convert them into his rabid, violent, punitive faith, and uh, that sort of. We can assume the, the the same a similar story for for all of these guys here. That's that's what it looks like. Well, you know, let's just actually that that page. It's page ninety nine. Um, I'll just go through the dialogue because it uh, it's it's important. I think um, this is uh, Lord yeah. Moskus. People may call you demons or monsters for your appearance, but they are in error. Because in these scriptures, not a word is written which condemns you as such. Rather. I think that you are all granted these forms for some reason. That is the fate that the Lord has dealt you. Fate? Yes, as proof, I happened across each of you in like manner. Your unusual appearances and your hearts filled with hatred and fear from the days when you were driven away by people. All of that is needed by God. My children, chosen by fate, have pride and have faith. And then it's it's the plague doctor that's... Um, uh, that I detested as monstrous to the point that even I believed it was true, beaten continuously like a craven dog, am needed by God. Uh, he he has an mm-hmm. um, an unwavering sense of duty, even though he may personally profess to to not enjoy the work that he has been tasked to do. Um, he's going to do it nevertheless because it is his task. Yeah. He's also surprisingly handsome. Look at him that. Yes, he does have that roguish charm of a slender, a slend- <laughs> slender man with a fair skin. Because uh, if he's if he's exposed to sunlight, he will blister and burn, uh, such as the old uh, vampiric tales would have it. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, it's at that point that we. We catch up with, uh, we see what Mosgus does every day. We 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 catch a glimpse of his routine. Um, and uh, what would you, <laughs> what, what, how would you describe what's going on here? The ultimate uh, prostration of never missing this in ten Literally years. Sl- uh, slamming his face, literally and his slamming knees. his entire body to the ground on the ground. Yeah, yep. it's just if you were going to land, lay someone out flat, it would be Father Moskus, and it's uh, five hundred times in the morning and five hundred times at night, and that's what gives him his wonderful face, um, as uh, Serpico points out, because it's basically just a massive like scar yeah. tissue. 
and the most yeah it's what gives him his weird, <laughs> his weird smooth yeah it's what gives him his weird smooth lego face yes and his slow stately walk because his legs are like just utterly destroyed from slamming themselves against stone for a thousand times a day every day for 10 years and longer because that's just as long as the um, uh, the executioners have known him but he's uh, likely been doing that for far longer Yeah. Yep, like we said, uh, Mosgus, he's a true believer here. And uh, he takes this opportunity to really um, lay out his his ideology of cruelty to Farnese. To, to Farnese, because um, she's, also, she's in doubt. Yeah, exactly. And um, we get a, a mention of our, our friend... King Gaiseric, a.k.a. the Skull Knight. Yes. Um, and it said, uh, according to him, it says, it's said that a sage once imprisoned in this tower by Supreme King Gaiseric continued to proclaim the sins of the king to God in the midst of every possible torture until in time an angel was made to descend. Surely this holy ground has miraculous virtue. It must also fill worship with power. So we're getting some sense of what this tower like what um of like why they think that this place in particular has some sort of holy significance yeah and his um i'll just read the little short story that he relates uh, also to farnese because this is like his sort of mission statement um Here it is. Uh, I shall tell you a story. In ancient times, there was a holy woman who practiced poverty and devoted her entire life to the aid of others. It is said that she would seek out those dying, abandoned by the world of man without even a second glance due to poverty, disease, and the like. She would cover them with blankets, embrace them, and hold their hand like a mother so they could at least have peace when God called for them. One time, she discovered, fallen by the wayside, an emaciated old man who was dying. As always, she embraced the man and grasped his hand. But this is what he said. The fact that I am lying here, rotting by the wayside, is proof that I have lived a proud life of solitude and independence. Please do not disgrace my sublime moment of death with your warmth. A person knows not what succeeds in helping. Perhaps it is all the more in God's hands for that. And more than anything... Our actions must not use ourselves as a standard for others. Everything is written uh, is within these scriptures. God and for God and God alone do we act. And that's just him saying, like, "Thou shalt not deplore distressing duties. Don't worry about the things you are supposed to do because it's all in service to God." Um, Thou shalt not question God. Whatever blood we spill in spirit or flesh, as man, we continue to exist devoutly for God. That is what faith is about. Um, it is... It makes sense in light of what they're doing. But as um, Serpico kind of points out, that it's not... Um, that, that leaves a lot of leeway to just do whatever you want and commit heinous things and go, it's actually just, yeah. it's, it's all for God. It says it in the book. It's fine. So. Yeah. The idea is sort of like, you cannot truly be pious without suffering yeah. and without inflicting suffering as well. And 
if that's the core of your ideology, you're going to look for any excuse to perpetuate that suffering. Uh, yeah, because and, what's stopping you? you Nothing. You, you, you've like you've everything has now been sanctioned by God. Yeah, you believe you have a holy mandate to do all these things. Yes, and and there's there's nothing aside from uh, what may be in like an outline of something we <laughs> we feel is in those scriptures because he, he has made a point to say that um, uh, just because of your appearance. Um, that's not leave for you to be derided. Like that's not in in the holy yes. book, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of other things that sure seem to be. <laughs> and it's a and it's a pretty <laughs> big book, as we've seen him crush a man's skull with it. Yes, yeah, one of my favorite deaths. But uh, yeah, that that leaves that lets us leave uh, Farnese and Serpico and Father Mosgus, uh, and return to the adventures and tribulations of Anina and her her friend um, Joachim. Yeah, yep. She. Uh, this is where we learn sort of what's going on with Nina here. She's probably. She's got a little bit more going on than we expect. Um, she, she's hanging out with this guy, Joachim, and um, she tells him, uh, if you're really brave enough, come to the riverside tonight when the midnight bell tolls. And uh, jumping forward a bit, uh, she meets him there, and she takes him to what we discover is a massive heretical <laughs> satanic orgy yeah they went they went whole hog with this and have the giant um baphomet uh goat-headed uh, god um presiding over this this giant orgy um it is in fact just a man in a mask but um they they play it up as if it is their their god or one of them, since they're technically the cult of the goddess of flame. Yeah, and uh, there's all sorts of uh, all sorts of illicit stuff yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> apart from, you know, I mean, some of some of it seems relatively harmless. You know, they're uh, you know they're having an orgy, and there's like some guys playing guitar, and there's like a dude with like a playing some sort of violin thing. Um, there's a drums. Uh, but then we read on a little bit, and um, we see that there's like a human stew being consumed here. Uh, well, they 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 <laughs> where, make a point of not Joaquin... showing what's in the stew until Joaquin's told to like, yes, take take a take a taste, and you'll join the cult. Yeah, yeah, and he uh, he does so, and there's like a great panel of him just sitting there with like a little finger hanging out of his mouth and uh he, he spits it out and he looks and it's revealed that there's like there's like a disgusting baby corpse being lowered into the stew here amongst others amongst the many that are already uh, in the stew yeah yeah yep and joaquin he's um he's naked and afraid Justly and, so, um, like that's a correct reaction. 
<laughs> this isn't quite the party he was expecting. So no, um, Nina and all of her heretical friends, they end up uh, chasing him around and uh, they chase him off of a cliff, unfortunately. Yeah. And that it's the last thing that kind of sends Nina over the edge. Um, she, she actually did have feelings for him. Um, and was horribly upset that he did not join her in the weird, uh, cannibal <laughs> death cult. I mean, look, to be fair, it's pretty presumptuous on her part to assume that he would be, uh, he'd be into this sort of thing. Well, she did specifically ask if he would die for her, um, before leading him to the giant orgy. Yeah. So, uh, part of her backstory we did not discuss was she has some kind of, like, it's an STD, something that's like killing her. Um, and so that's why she's, she mm-hmm. does, she does have feelings for um, Joaquin. He is in love with her, but she's loathe. Um, her, her body has betrayed her and it's failing and she can't get the medicine she needs. So she's just going to, you know, live it up as much as she can. And that's, that's her justification for being a, a heretic. We have to kind of surmise because yep. we're not, you know, we, she's not saying that outright, but that's as close as we're getting. Um, uh, Luca followed them, shows up and um, gives uh, gives Nina a chastisement um, and a, a spanking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, who should wander into this scene here? But uh Casca, uh, who <laughs> no one was watching her, unsurprisingly, she's just do her thing. Uh, yeah, she's just kind of wandering around, like, buh, buh, what's going on here? She wanders into this orgy where a uh, disgusting little man, disgusting little naked man, decides to uh, see what's underneath those bandages. Lo and behold, she is a uh, very beautiful young woman, so he decides to uh to do uh some stuff that uh has been done previously to Casca. Uh he attempts to sexually assault her. Um at which point uh her demon friends uh possess all of the men and they proceed to uh start tearing each other apart in a uh pretty pretty great it's and the yeah gruesome it's the other <laughs> side of the orgy yeah it's it's pretty crazy um she is however protected by her her demon child who um sort of wards mm-hmm. off um the, the the possessing ghosts from her but it's enough to um further incite the heretics into believing that she is a powerful witch um, with the witch's mark upon her breast, and they sort of worship her, uh, eventually um, going as far as to shower her with gifts. I do really, really enjoy these panels here of them like biting each other and destroying each other. There's a um, yeah. There's a really like there's, that first there's one. One there's one where this dude's head just gets yeah. There's one where um. There's one where a dude's head just gets super big and he has this giant toothy smile. Yes, that's the one. And he, he just he grabs another dude and he's he says hungry and he he gnashes down on this dude's 
nose and upper jaw and just completely rips it off. Yeah, uh, it's probably the I, best I like panel it. of that. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> uh, you just look, there's so much mayhem and destruction in Berserk that I just anytime there's a uh, particularly gruesome one, one that I find uh delightfully sadistic, I I have to I I got to point it out. Well, it's that and the guys, I mean, it's kind <laughs> It's about as funny as you can get when someone's biting someone else's face off. <laughs> because they've made the man's head comically, yeah, like, way do. too large. And he's just going, huh, what's wrong, buddy? Hungry, you know. And he hungry, hungry hippos, the guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, he sure does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and some, some interesting stuff here happens with the uh, the Incubus. Um, it's, it's sort of, yeah, like it, it shows up, he's, it's like sort of acting as, uh, Casca's guardian angel of sorts. Yeah. I mean, and, it, that, that's, uh, that's, it's, it, it's her child, so it's doing its duty. Yeah. And it, it just kind of evaporates into the air. Like it just, yeah. It just sort of disappears into a, uh, a swirly, swirly void and it's, it's really at that point where everybody sort of looks at her and decides, well, um, you're an all-powerful witch, and yeah. uh, we must grovel before you. Well, it, 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 it dispelled all of the demons in the process. It forced out yeah. them from the, mm-hmm. the cultists. Um, and then we yes. get a, uh, a, it's a single page, but it's a bit of... Uh, Joachim's fate. Um, he was rescued from the river by the the giant eyes. Mm-hmm. And that wraps up Indeed wraps up that chapter. We're still within the birth ceremony chapter. <laughs> Just the sub the sub chapters done, but we're back. We're back with uh, guts and Ishidro, and it only took it's literally three fourths of the volume before guts shows back up. Yep. Yep, and we're we're back here. Um, Ishidro has followed guts. Because uh, I mean, really, what else is he gonna do? Yeah, I mean, I mean his, the, his meal tickets are so, dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's sort of um, understandably follows this huge hulking warrior who he saw decimate an entire small army of people. He says, you know what, I'll try to make good with him. And uh, he hilariously tries to pick up Guts' sword. And of course, that's not going to happen. And uh, he gets confronted by, by Puck by Puck while doing so. Um, and yeah, we just get some more of this like silly, silly Puck mode where he's like, yeah, use your hips. And uh, <laughs> uh, you put everything into it. The first swing. Letting loose with a shout, um, but this this doesn't last long because guts, of course, awakens and he's got uh, this this child at his side, and now you know he's got Puck, he's got Ishijiro, and he's just like, man, I, I don't I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> it's like I don't I don't need another hanger on, you know. It's like all these kids are always trying to hang out with me. All these, you know, it's it's, it's such a nuisance. 
Yeah. It's, I just really like when he's, he tries to pick up the sword and is just kind of flattened by it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we get, a. Uh... <laughs> this is another one of those things that I found, uh, darkly funny where they're just sort of looking out over the horizon. <laughs> There's a bunch of dust. All of the, uh... <laughs> yeah. And just all the, the dark souls bone wheels are just <laughs> charging straight at them. Yeah, I I do, and they're just like well, son of a bitch. Damn yeah, it, they're, God they're, damn it! They're so angry. But, All the um, wheels that is right when they're right yeah. when they're coming when they're coming down the down the hill. Um, gut, it's just a picture of Guts's grin, and he's like, so he's just he's literally just a, this is new, but it's just something different that he can smash. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just son of a bitch. Damn it! It's a new, a new <laughs> genus, a new <laughs> genus of demon for me. To, <laughs> uh, and yeah, you can understand why all these guys are upset. You know, obviously they died in horribly horrific fashion, and now they're just like rolling around. It's rolling, like a nightmare yeah. version of uh, you know, when you get inside of a big tire as a kid and you just start yeah. rolling around. It's like it's. <laughs> it's the worst possible version of that. It, it, it is, and it's actually like really frightening if you just even tertiarily think about it oh yeah yeah of course <laughs> but uh yeah this is some good stuff here there's um, it's really and then again guts is sitting there and he's um he's crushing one of them that was almost about to smash a shidro and he's like they don't really have any reason to hate you or me they just died and got stupid and they can't tell who they're cursing <laughs> it's like just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, and they're like they're crying blood. They're like, they're they're, I don't know. They're they're like charming for horribly wrapped up dead things in a wheel. I don't. I think it's just because they're screaming like "Shun of a beast, go to hell." It hurts. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Their 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 motivations don't really seem. They're they're just kind of like generally annoyed. Yeah, the d- like, hey, disgruntled skeletons. Screw you, buddy. Yeah, they're just like, hey, freaking, screw you, man. Uh, we're gonna get, we're gonna get you now. But of course, guts. Uh, he does his thing. You know, you you, you know the drill, folks. He, he smashes them to bits. Yep, guts smash. And Ishijiro broke his one sword. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> guts throws him down a hill there's there's a lot going on uh just visually just having a a big big old fun time of it um while actually not having a fun time of it they're they're quite troubled by this (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yep but then um we get a visit from an old friend Uh, oh shaboy skull knight He's back in all of his mm-hmm. his resplendent glory with his angry horse, with the also angry like uh, it's like a masthead from a ship, but it's on the front of the horse. It's really good, and I keep thinking it should have like an angry face. Also, yeah, the Skull Knight, um, his whole vibe is pretty excellent, and. Uh, his ho- his horse. This is this is the best horse that we've seen so far in Berserk. 
by far. It also has like a cape. It has, it like has its own cape. <laughs> I think it's a cape. I can't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, or I guess yeah. It's more. It's more like a, it's more like his fur. His fur forms a cape. Yeah, which, it's just I mean, it's really good. That's, that's as good as it gets right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he gives a little spiel here about uh, about just um, like the hawk. He essentially his whole his whole deal here is that he approaches guts and tells him that uh, femto will appear at the tower of conviction that's that's the gist of of what happens here um, and he well, says likely every yeah. human in the world was witness to that same thing it was a revelation yeah it was a revelation and he, well he's saying and, someone uh, the who signifies the hawk the, the shining hawk yeah and guts yes. guts supplies in his own who mind signifies the hawk is one of, of course the yes yeah, which is, you know, that's clearly what Kentaro is leading us to believe. Yes. Uh, but yeah. who knows? Who knows yeah. what will happen? Dave knows. I don't know. Dave does know. But, well, we uh, yeah, so this this concentration of people to where he's headed, um, and uh, the Skull Knight surmises that Casca is also at the place that he's um, headed toward. Um, but all of these people congregating these these um i think it's like the the blind lambs um they are they are going to be part of what is called the festival and it's a um Mm. it's a version of the feast that had already occurred it's it's an imitation Mm -hmm. right uh, um... a potentially pale imitation of the eclipse but one nonetheless that is uh very bad yeah they're yeah they're sort of trying to to jerry-rig uh their own advent and summon griffith or whatever they perceive the uh the shining hawk to be It is, and he he's saying that of due to causality and all this kind of technically, I mean, it's like sort of mumbo jumbo. But um, because of events having been preordained, fate is as such. Um, the you're kind of doomed to repeat the thing that happened before. But uh, that that would be the case were it anybody but you, and and, and by extension, Casca, because you guys did survive the thing that is not supposed to be survivable. You have the brand of sacrifice. That's not something you're supposed to just be walking around with. Uh, so that kind of t- puts a little bit of a wrinkle into things because you exist on the interstice. You are in between the world of the living and the dead. Uh, and as such, you are not fully at the, I guess, uh, whim of this world's laws. There's there's things you can potentially affect outside of that. I don't know what those are, but you know that's why you're the struggler. Go do your thing, and I'll be interested to see kind of what happens. Is is the gist of the Skull Knight's uh, speech? Yeah, and uh, he gets a little poetic here with uh, this metaphor about the moonlight on the water and all that. Um, he says this world is as moonlight reflected on the water surface. The moon's light will not be extinguished. So long as the moon exists in the sky, moonlight will remain on the water. And this is a thing which already was. What will follow now is a shadow, 
no more than a shadow cast high above the earth by light from a distant dying sun. Yeah. yeah. Which is basically what the eclipse was in the first place. So this is just a, a smaller version of that horrible thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every I feel like Skull Knight has some of the best dialogue in Berserk. Yeah, he gets the cool armor and the good dialogue. <laughs> it's very, yes, yeah. it's very poetic. You can, uh, you can sure spin a, you can spin a yarn. Mm-hmm. And then he just bounces off. Dude does his own thing. He pops up for some sweet exposition and pieces pieces out. Yeah, exactly. He is, yeah, 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 no, you're right. He is essentially like an exposition machine, but as an exposition machine goes, he's pretty badass. He does do it well. Uh, that that leaves us with the end of the Spirit Road and brings us to the Pillar of Flame within the Conviction Arc Birth Ceremony chapter. And speaking of exposition and backstory, we get some for Farnese. She, yeah. she doth like to burn the heretics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we find out that... um that um some of these some of these uh these witch burnings happened uh in uh the city square where she lived and um she could sort of see it happening from her window and in fact participated uh participated in in some of this witch burning as a child um we also learn um somewhat relatedly that serpico's mother was burned as a witch Yes, and we can surmise that Farnese was may have been may have had a literal hand in that. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I think I think that that is what's being implied here. I don't think that the the juxtaposition of those two pieces of information is a coincidence. I I don't think so, and um, we have already we have found that. Uh, Mira doesn't do uh, foreshadowing or anything with like a light, deft touch. It's it's <laughs> it's there. It's like the big hammer on the big anvil. Um, yeah, just the bits with um, Farnese and and she's uh, she's as a child seeing one of these um, immolations, and she's like, suddenly someone handed me a torch. I was frightened, and I threw it right away. A strange thing happened. The shadows corresponding to the torch I'd thrown swayed about all at once. One more. I see. I get it. When I throw in one of these, the shadows dance before it. I cast them in so many times that night. Each time, the shadows swayed as if dancing, as if trembling. She's getting a high from uh, lighting people on fire. Yeah, it is, and it's it's at this point that we see the uh, the shadowy silhouette of uh, who we who we take to be the uh, the uh, people perpetuating all this sort of uh, re- religious violence. And yeah. uh, they say to her, "A blessing, the Lord's blessing upon this girl. Well done, little Miss, a child of great faith." And that and that's we take the the moment where she's a. Uh, She's accepted by the uh, 
the Holy Iron Chain. Yes, and we find out a little further that, um, well, she gets more than just a little pleasure from infernoing people, but that's its own story. And that also ends Volume 18. Yep, that is it for Volume 18. But don't worry, we've got another one. Volume 19. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. still the birth ceremony chapter because it's just gonna go on for a little while um great uh great opening shot as as always the title the title cards on these are phenomenal and it's just like a vast misty plane of these stakes and wagon wheel tortured um bodies leading up to the the tower of conviction it's it's impressive and also horrifying and we mm-hmm. have wonderful That's berserk, baby. wonderful juxtaposition because now it's casca in her in showered in jewels and finery and still babbling <laughs> this is kind of funny i must say just the the way that Casca is still sort of like this, like just this mute vessel wandering around, and now she's like this revered witch. Yeah, just uh, just covered in jewels and and, and she's a, got like a nice and a big a big yes yeah, a big sun hat. Yeah, yeah, and a string of pearls that she tries to eat. Again, <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so uh Guts shows up and essentially demands to know where Casca is. And uh he, he lays the smack down on all these guys here. All these all these holy, holy iron chains. Yeah, I, I think it's my favorite when people are like either in fervor or being like kind of crushed. They'll get the googly eyes, but their eyes always go wall-eyed. <laughs> like, the pupils point out sideways. And that's what happens to the commander of these, like, knights when Guts doth grab his face. Yeah, Kentaro, he, he's he's fond of these panels where people's faces are being, like... Distorted. Yeah. squished or ripped apart. And he, he uses the eyeballs to great effect. Like, they're always just sort of growing screwier, popping out of their heads. It's, 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 it's so, it's so sick. Yeah. It really is. Uh, yep. Yeah, big, big showdown. He's, 
yes, as you mentioned, laying the smack down, a lot of people get messed up. Um, Luca sees the brand on Guts's neck and surmises that he's in fact looking for Elaine, who she, who she, that's the name that she's given to Casca and doesn't have another name to give her. And when Guts is just asking about Casca, she has to figure out who he's actually looking for. But, um, due to the brand does, uh, see what that is. And that brings us back to Casca and uh, Nina. Nina is still kind of bedridden, and Casca is just munching on pearls and spitting them out. It's funny. <laughs> yep, and uh, Nina runs off with with Casca, you know, out of out of fear, out of, of fear, being yep. persecuted because yeah, she yeah. she was in fact a heretic, so she's actually that's a correct fear <laughs> that she has. So of course we get the yeah, the, the li- comedy of again, errors again, literally a heritage. Yes, we get yeah. the the wonderful like they left just seconds before, and then Guts shows up, and he's like, "Where are they at?" And they're gone, and it's just a bunch of circumstantial. It's not comedy, but it is kind of it's tragic comedy, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. yep, yep, just missed him. Mm-hmm. And we get wonderful uh, Ishidro comedy uh, where his whole goal, he, he he lays out his mission statement. Even if I have to sneak around and follow him, I'll be more of a man if I stole his moves. <laughs> because he just wants to take what Guts yeah, has, exactly. but but not, like not physical belongings because he definitely can't, can't grab the sword because he tried that. It didn't work out. Yeah, he's just, he's a Guts fanboy. Yep. As we all are, frankly. Yeah, if only we could steal his moves. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we um, get um, we get a little bit more exposition on point on on point on part of um, Azan, who has informed. Um, maybe actually not even be Azan. I think that it's just funny he's being informed that uh, the Black Swordsman is there. Uh, but they're not really supposed to be chasing him, so they're worried more about like other things at this time because that the chase was sort of called off, um, and their their duty is to the Inquisition, or at least getting um, the Inquisition sort of under control because there's still a bunch of heretics on the loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Readers will uh, remember that um, the Church essentially stripped. Farnese of her duties in yeah. tracking down the Black Swordsman because he just murdered so many of them. Yeah, it was it was the 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 risk reward was low. Yeah. Yep. Um one uh one small thing that I uh found interesting here was the um the implication that all of the uh, the commoners around them can actually see Puck, you know, because we uh, I think we we established last in the last episode that Farnese couldn't actually see him. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost everybody sort of else, that, uh, mostly just her. Yeah, because uh, Puck said he says uh, with this many folks around, I'm usually invisible. Something strange though is something weird going on here. 
Yeah, and I think that that's part of, um, well, there's a, there's a couple different forces at work. It's all of the religious fervor. It is the, the, the cult of the flame goddess. It is the presence of whatever this thing is with the big eyes. There's, there's more than one power at play, but it's making a, making for a big mess about to happen because we know that the, the festival is going to happen soon, presumably at this place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all ready to, um, they're re- ready to sacrifice Casca and, um, hand her over to our goat friend here. And, uh, the goal the goal is to cut out Nina's heart um as an offering to you know Casca the quote unquote witch um in an effort to summon summon the hawk yes cuz they're ro- they're rolling around with a um sort of well it's a dead hawk on a stick but uh it's a it's, a, it's a, an effigy wand uh, and the other goal yeah, it's, it's is sort of, to... It's sort of a, an interesting... Um, it, yeah, it's sort of interesting. It's like a big... Um, it's like a crucifix. But, so, uh, yeah, it's... Instead of Jesus, it, you've got the, the hawk there. Yeah. Yes, and, and we've we've sort of explored that that may be a part of the actual, like, the faith of the, the Holy See. Uh, their own iconography is pretty much the same thing, just made of stone. So this is the other side of it, maybe because yeah. their, theirs is a, uh, a a not dead thing tied to a stick, like that. It's the holy version. Yes. This is sort of, I guess, this would be the inverse. You have a dead thing on a stick versus a, the idea of a hawk of light. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yes, so after, after the, the sacrifice of Nina, uh, they want their witch to mingle with the great goat, so the dude in the goat mask, and become a member of their <laughs> family. Yeah. To lead them all to whatever. Yeah. So, this goat guy, is he just a, a straight up human? Because I thought he was, um,. I thought he was some sort of uh, supernatural being just because, like, he's so he's so tall and lanky. Like, if you look at the shot where he's sort of hunched over Casca, his arms seem, like, he, impossibly long. They're pretty long. I mean, maybe he has some kind of condition, but it's definitely a mask because they talk about it when they're slightly in a few yeah. pages when he's trying to flee. They're like, take that thing off, because he's trying to go out of a, a small cave and keeps whacking the horns on it. Uh, I don't yeah, know about his mask. giant, um, like, snake wang. I don't know what's going on with that. But maybe, yeah, maybe was, it has a mask on, too. Like, it is clearly <laughs> I, I a mask, but I was also... <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it, it's a mask, but I was also under the impression that there was something legitimately, like, I've... special about this guy we will we have no idea there's no way of knowing because it it just yeah doesn't yeah. doesn't inform us yeah it's vague it's yeah. it's pretty vague what's going on here that's it's fine know. it, it looks like you it don't looks really need spooky no like all the particular me- no. mechanics yeah um 
but yeah, Ishidro and Puck, they um they show up and they they intervene in all this. Yes. They so, they they save we, the day get, in their own goofy way. Yeah, and we get that great panel of uh Puck dive bombing the proceedings where his his eyelids and his lips are just yeah, like that's, pulled back. That's always my favorite like every his speed, it's his speed goggles. Um I do like right before that where they're deciding to uh um or oh, he he throws the he he casts the first stone but um it's Ishidro like upset that he had to use, he is having to resort to like some tricks he doesn't normally want to do uh he's literally saying I don't like using such a poor man's technique any more than I got it's too common for someone who's going to be big time but I've got no choice and then it's just Puck because Puck's mm-hmm. been calling him Sneak Cedro and like all just all kinds of goofy names because he's obviously believes he's the biggest man in the party and the other two are just under his command. Yeah. Um, but he's like a thief who throws stones. Oh, that means the stone thief. And it's just Ishidro going, oh, I knew you'd say something like that before he proceeds to go ham and <laughs> chuck uh, more stones. Yeah, I think Puck is just having Puck is is happy to have somebody that he can rag on for a change. Yeah, and so that that of him speeding is him actually just like going to go get guts. Like he's zo- oh. zooming off to oh, go okay, sure. to go get backup because uh he he's telling Ishidro uh to well, it's just little so I think Puck is also talking. They, the, the dialogue boxes are a little confusing. So, yes, he's telling Puck to go. And then Puck, as he's goofily zooming away, is saying, throw until your iron arm gives out. And then as the Shijo say, you make a big appeal to my man Guts for me to bring him here. Because he's just one dude and he's just okay. chucking stones. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought that this was Ishidro telling Guts to throw until your iron arm gives out. Um, yeah, I think that that doesn't make it does not. Sense, it's puck telling because like the next the the panel below it is like, um, like dudes getting their eyes knocked out by stones. So I, I guess I assumed that that's what Puck was doing. But yeah, anyways, no, he's he's uh, going he's not, zooming not off deal. to the rescue. Yeah, it doesn't ultimately matter. But yeah, yeah. um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good, and he's cracking a lot of fools with big stones too, like. Just hitting guys in the face hard enough to break the rocks he's using. Uh, and then, <laughs> of course, nothing can go off without a, a, a hitch. We got the a Holy Iron Chain Knights rolling in. Uh, but unfortunately, because this is Costco we're talking about, and she has the brand, and it's kind of dark in this little den, um, the old demons are back. And another man gets his face it right off right the heck off yep right at the start of the uh the next chapter here den of evil um one of the guys he sort of transforms into like this weird creepy quadruped and just like fully bites the skin off of the the face of one of the holy iron chain knights pretty good yeah and then there's like right after that is like an incredible panel of just chaos and warfare between all the demon men and uh the holy iron chain yep it's multiple pages of just crazy gory fight um 
mm-hmm. what we didn't we we skipped it um so way back uh, not way back not that far back um back when there was the orgy scene they're um they're about to give um Joachim the tasty soup and in the flames of the fire we get a huge figure uh this is the the goddess of flame uh and it's a winged uh, angelic woman sort of like outline, but it cuts in and definitely has the sort of snaky hair. And all it, all it begs to consider is that this is in fact Slan, um, working her machinations on the peoples. So it's probably Slan's, um, thing that she's doing. Slan. That's the, the uh, um, god, the god hand. hand. Yes. That's my my yes. guess, okay, and cool. I don't recall immediately if that ever gets cleared up, but um, that's what it looked like to me. It, okay, interesting. Yeah. I didn't put that together. Okay. Yeah, cause it, and, they, and they do that sometimes. Like, your, um, he'll put specifically weird details in, like, a panel and go, okay, I hope you looked at that. <laughs> one panel, one time. Um, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, this is where we get yeah, it. Yeah. Ishidro coming to the rescue, tripping on a man's face, which is also really good. <laughs> Trip, trips on a guy's face. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, Vice Commander uh, Azan shows up. And is this guy, is he the mustache man? Yes. Okay. Just, just making sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. He ends up actually saving Farnese um, in an instant here. He has, like, the big spiked club, and he runs it through a demon's mouth. Um, and then uh, more uh, more demon doggos show up. Oh, well, so, no, uh, that, that's her... Um, or, no, 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 she's remembering. She's just remembering, yes. yeah, yeah. She's, like, she's remembering um, the last time she saw yeah. men transform into, uh, into beasts. Yes. But um, th- this... And she, there's, like, a panel where she's remembering the dogs... Yeah, but the the bit of dialogue here is great because it's Azan telling her after he saved her. It's like, I hear the heretics use various drugs in their bizarre rituals. Perhaps among them are some that transform men into beasts, such as these. And it's just funny. He's going to drugs. Yeah, of course. Yep, got to be the drugs. (laughs) It must be drugs and not monsters. Um, Yeah, this happens. Yeah, this this sort of uh, insinuation is made several times, actually, that like the cultists are on drugs. (laughs) Well, there was there was probably some kind very, of drugs like, all... in the uh, while well, they slathered yeah. their bodies with wasn't honey, probably some kind of drugs. Um, but that's why um, Jerome was drawn in, even again, even though he wasn't quite enthralled with the idea of super orgy. But um, he, he realized toward the end he wasn't having an illusion due to drugs when there was the body parts in the soup. That's what like snap snapped yeah. him out of his. Haze. Um I just I like the idea that all these guys are just like huffing bath salts and that's it, why they're, yes. they're eating people. And and then I just I was reading the little tiny so Ishidro um it's this is right before he trips on the other guy's face. He like hits a dude in the face, breaks his teeth, the other guy comes crawling and it's there's a little tiny text going swing, 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 because all the demonic cultists are, of course, naked. 
And there's just Ishijiro going, don't you wave that thing at me, and then crushes the guy's head with a rock. <laughs> it's good. Oh, God. It's yeah, good. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Oh, and, then, and, then, and then his wonderful, uh, yeah, when he's tripping on the guy's face, and it's just him, like, falling down like the side of this little miniature cliff and him leaping in the air just going, am I going to die? And it's like flowers, like flowers in the background. It's the little touches that make this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he sort of, he goes, uh, he goes puck mode a little bit. Yeah. Where he's just drawn very silly. And and then we, we're, we're treated to the cultists trying to escape through the rock, giving uh, Ishidro and company an idea of how to escape and this is where we get uh n- naked goat man um whacking his head on the 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 bit of the escape route and then them telling to him to like take the help the mask off yeah they're like leave that thing here <laughs> um, but then he he sees he's so this was interesting to me um he sees a pair of glowing eyes in the dark there and then this little appendage comes out and of the dark and apparently just sort of like um like pokes him in the chest yeah pokes him in the nipple this whole thing was i have no idea what's going on here well it's doing something to him because there's, he there's no <laughs> attempt at uh no it it does something to him it sure, it sure does, but uh, we're never given an explanation no. for it. At least not, not yet. yet. But yeah, he 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 uh, he's pricked by this mysterious spiky appendage, and uh, he transforms from uh, a fake goat monster into a real goat monster. He <laughs> he gets capra demoned. Yeah, and he starts he starts sort of hopping around. Um, I guess this, uh, yeah, so that, that leads right into the, uh, the quote unquote mingling with, uh, with, with Casca, um, where we see this, uh, this is aforementioned, uh, snake phallus. It, yeah, it, it got uh, a little bigger. Yeah. Yeah, he so he's in he goes beast mode here. And uh part of their ritual is that they, you know, they want uh some sort of uh copulation between uh their witch and this goat man. So he, he kind of starts doing his thing, and it's actually a pretty horrifying series of panels here where he um he's towering over her and he's lifting her up with both arms and his snake is sort of wrapping itself all around her. Um, and he, he does that for a little bit. And actually, Ishidro hilariously chimes in. He says, put that thing away, you horny goat. Yeah. And, and he's, uh, he's going like to... He yeah, he, well, he's going to chuck a rock at him. Yeah. Because he's good with rocks. He's going to chuck a rock at him. But, um, but actually, what happens is that... Uh, our friend, our friend Guts shows up, and um, this is like he's. I like the way that he's drawn here, because he's literally just drawn like a tornado. 
like in the ne- in the next uh, on the next page here after he shows up. Yes, like he's it's... just drawn like a giant tornado that is just like slicing the goat and all the cultists and everything. Yes, like and that. then spinning protectively around Casca, and there's just yeah, everything is dust in the wind. And then it, then the next, it's like a two page split panel with the dust settling. Casca is on the ground or just kind of kneeling, or she's fallen. And there's just the dust of his footsteps and a bit of, like, dust in the wind of Mm. blood on the end of his sword. It's, like, this is another super great panel. Yep. Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And we should mention that uh, Guts very particularly um, slices off the snake phallus. And one hand. As well as uh, <laughs> one of the goat's hands. Yeah. Yep. And then begins the the boss battle. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Um, Which is actually yeah, so guts, this is guts he, having a tough time for the first time in a little while because the goat is very fast. <laughs> yeah, the goat is surprisingly elusive, and uh, there's all these panels of guts like trying to shoot him um, with his arm, with his mechanical arm, and the the goat is just sort of like jumping or like hopping around too fast for him to to keep up. Yeah, he eventually gets him like in the side, I guess in the neck. And the side. Gets him a couple times, but it, it took a little while to get there. Yeah, he gets him with his little, um, his little explosive thingamabob. Mm, his little prickly, uh, his prickly mom. Yeah, I don't know what you'd call this. Yeah. It's like a little, it's just like a tiny little spiky bomb with a wick on it. He throws it at his face and explodes him. Yeah, it's weird because it's for all the gore we've seen, this actually was kind of horrific. I think it's because the goat face in this particular picture looks kind of like a dog face, which made me feel sad. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one where there's just like a big giant hole on the side of his face and his eyeball is hanging out. He has a little bit of like a schnauzer looking muzzle at this Mm -hmm. point. But then he gets gets his head chopped off. (laughs) He has... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he uh Yeah, exactly. Which is the only way this could have ended. Yeah. And then we get like this smug um, goofy smirk with guts going, Explosives, huh? These will come in handy. A bit like my cannon. <laughs> Whoops, no time to waste. It's real it's kind of like weird weirdly jarring <laughs> comedy coming from guts. Because we know he's a bit of a goofball, but he doesn't yeah, ever show it like, well, these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He's just sort of nonchalantly walking away from this encounter like, huh, what do you know? These little explosives. Um, and of course, we, uh, we're, we're about to uh, we're about to see those explosives come back in a, a way that Guts is probably not a fan of pretty soon. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so this is this is about the time where uh, Guts and Serpico have their little showdown on, on the cliffside here. Uh, this is where we get another taste of the fact that Serpico is actually surprisingly like a pretty pretty gifted swordsman. Um, and he actually. He's capable of, uh, of surprising Guts a little bit with with uh, with just how nifty he is with the sword. Um, but Guts, uh, <laughs> sort of hilariously to me, the way that he deals with this is to sort of... Uh, I guess this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but he actually just grabs the sword and, and snaps it off with his bare hand. Yes. Enjoy. Or actually, I think he like he grabs it and then like punches it. With his mechanical aim. Yes. Now, now that you've sucked all of the tension out of, like, five pages of Cliff Fight. <laughs> no, well, it's, I mean, no, there's yeah, not, like, there's, there's nothing, nothing. You, you, there's nothing to do about it. It's, it's, can't go scene by scene. Uh, other than to show that, um, uh, Serpico is actually, like, pretty darn good at what he does. And, uh, I do like that Guts takes the time to acknowledge that because of what Serpico because he picked like specifically the, the 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 battleground and his own skill, um, uh, guts. Even though he had a little bit of trouble with the um, the the goat man, uh, is acknowledging that Serpico is actually more difficult in, in this situation to fight than the the goat was. Yeah, partly because they're fighting in this really awkward position, like up on yeah. the cliff, and he can't really draw his sword or use his. Um, uh, cannon hand because he yeah. keeps getting warded off by um the, the stabby blade. Mm. But I mean, it, yeah, it, it, I imagine it's hard to it's hard to like get a hold of and swing your giant sword when you're positioned so precariously yeah. here. And yeah, it's a, it's a long drop. <laughs> the uh, person you're, you're fighting is like really nimble with the sword. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I do like is that the entire time um, Serpico is like well aware of. The situation is not really, it's in his favor as much as it's ever going to be, and he's still, it's not a good one. Uh, and, like, at the end, he he, he does, mm-hmm. he sort of escapes, um, because he realizes, well, my sword has been snapped, and it put me at a bad advantage. And, um, he's, uh... He's, there's just a really good panel of him hiding in like a little cliff space going, I should refrain from getting in over my head. Um, but he's also becoming more involved in troubles than he normally would like to be because he's generally kind of a laid back guy. But for um, Farnese's sake, yeah. he's willing to kind of put himself at risk a little bit more than he normally would. Yeah, and he actually, uh, he... <laughs> He pickpockets <laughs> and and uses and, the uh, thing against off him. One of those explosives and just like, yeah, he sort of just like uses it as like the smoke screen, as functionally like a, a smoke yeah. bomb. Yeah, just as a means of escape. Yeah, it's it's really good. Just his whole like the the panels of him like zooping under, grabbing like the cliff ledge at their feet, and then popping back around are all really. Um, it's just well done. Yeah, this is um. Yeah, I, I like this because it's it's a different kind of encounter than yeah. we've seen uh, from Berserk. It's like 
nine times out of ten, it's just like guts and somebody else just like squaring off in a field or something like that. Yeah, the, I sort of liked the. Well, the, there's there's a little know, more verticality the, to the it. For this um, not only in that it's on a, the side of a cliff, but that they're moving not just on a straight like a two D plane, or at least um, Serpico is not. It made it, yeah, made it like a lot more engaging. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that that wraps up that chapter and brings us to captives. Yeah, and uh, cat. Yeah, the captives in question uh, would be Nina and Casca and uh, and Casca. Yeah, the uh, the Knights of the Holy Iron Chain chain. The uh, make off with these two women. <laughs> one and, one uh, of whom was the witch of the heretics so <laughs> this is uh <laughs> this is their one time they've actually caught well at least one actual heretic yeah ex- <laughs> yeah exactly this is this is the one time um and uh so nina actually rats out gaska um she she tells them that uh, that that Casca is indeed the uh, the witch. Yeah, and it's um. So they they get dragged. Well, Casca gets dragged away by the torturers. Uh, and they're. They're like sort of justify. It's weird. They're like upset with um, uh, Nina for not like saying anything about her friend. Like they're just like they're like you're so selfish. You're just not even trying to protect your friend. You know you're a horrible person. <laughs> Basically about people that they're going to go torture. Um, and so they end up uh, um, taking uh, Nina away instead. And to add a, it's vaguely comedic. I don't even know. So the entire time Nina is just like, I'm going to, I'll have, I have to gather up my courage. Just the smallest grain of courage will see me through at least a little bit. Um, And then like, she she gets that, that lasts all of one second for the doors to open and her to just see all of the horrible uh, torture um results and we find we come to find i'll just we'll just skip slightly ahead but we come to find that they they pulled at one of her fingernails they didn't pull it off they just went to go pull at it and she just immediately was (laughs) blabbering and then they got upset because she's like they're like we've never seen anyone just break and confess everything immediately when we didn't even basically do anything yet like that's how weak weak yeah, of a he just was not impressed. Yeah, he's yeah, he's like we've never seen anyone as miserable as you. You disclosed everything before we could even rip off one fingernail. And he tells her basically he's like this is your last night bought with the blood of your friend. Savor it. It's like, well, you uh ratted out your friend and it's going to buy you exactly one more night. Yeah, we're still doing things, but um now you should feel bad about it. <laughs> like cuz you're a terrible person. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we get um, we get uh, exposition that um, Farnese has been recalled to her homeland. Um, she's been uh, taken away as um, the the commander of this. Um, that will the command will be given to Vice Commander Azan. And this is not on part of the church, but on part of her father, um, who they, um, she, she is Farnese Vendimion, and the Vendimion family has part and in parcel funded um, most of the provisions of aid for the refugees. So they hold a lot of sway with the church. Yeah. Yeah, it's another part of this this uh this interesting dynamic that i enjoy about the holy iron chain knights where they're sort of like they're all a bunch of rich kids yeah. essentially and her her <laughs> rich like her all, rich daddy's calling her home all... yeah exactly it's like look my uh my bougie daughter cannot be uh be made to to suffer through, through all of this nastiness so let's just bring her home um but uh yeah, so Casca and Nina are led into the torture chamber. Uh, at which point, uh, Mos- Mosgus sort of catches on to what's what's going on with Casca a little bit here. Uh, he hears the other heretics who are being tortured uh, calling out to Casca, saying that she's a witch, and then he pulls at her dress and he sees the. Uh, the brand of the sacrifice, which he to which he says, surely the mark of a witch. It would seem there is a need to investigate this girl in special detail. At which point she is put into uh, the classic Iron Maiden, which is actually the name of this chapter is the Iron Maiden. Yeah, and they they spend um, oh, just like a little bit of time. Uh, showing something is going wrong because there's the goopy, the goopy demons inside the Iron Maiden from the blood, specifically. Which explodes. It explodes <laughs> yeah. and goes everywhere very Evil Dead-like. And this yeah. uh, um, Puck has come to save the day, or he's tried to. Now there's way too many... Um, slimy blood possessed the demons i guess possessed the blood of the dead people i don't know didn't this doesn't explain it but that's what we get um that brings us to well literally yeah, sure. blood flow of the dead part one mm-hmm. yeah and um at this point um guts ishidro and uh, luca they all go and they, they sneak into St. Albion. And uh, this is the point where uh, good guy Jerome uh, shows up and makes himself useful um, by uh, leading Luca and company to uh, to Nina, right? Yes, yes. We're, we're basically getting a retread um, in a little bit maybe of a more interesting setting of the rescue of Griffith by the Band of the Hawk. Now this is just the rescue of Casca. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. Who has been imprisoned within um, a blood golem thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is crazy. She, like, she gets consumed by one of these these big golems, as you call her. Like, she's just sort of, like, 
encased in the goop. Yeah. On the plus side, she's unharmed. However, anyone else encased in the goop gets dissolved, like, instantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody else. Like, you can see in these panels here, there's, like, uh, some of these some of these guys who um, uh, become encased in these monsters, and then they just instantly become a skeleton. Yeah, it's good good visually, bad thematically. Like, this is instant death. Not like it's not usually instant death um, to encounter any of these demons, but this was super quick. Um, Puck tries to help. There's a limited amount that he can do. Uh, Guts, having infiltrated, uh, happens upon Farnese and her, her entourage. Farnese, who is... Um, Walking at the back of the procession gets yanked um, into the shadows and basically threatened by guts to to divulge where Casca is. Yeah, um, <laughs> Gus and uh, guts. He is losing his temper a little bit because obviously Casca is the whole reason he's here, and he um, he has no time for Farnese. Uh, you know, not, not divulging any of this information, so he, he smashes the big wall behind her. It's a statue, he yeah, says, he crushes uh, a statue and then gives uh, a metal line. Yeah, he says, sorry, but move your ass. I'm about to break. Uh, everything you say to him uh, puts him one step closer to the edge. Exactly. <laughs> that's all. That's all <laughs> I could hear when he said that, or when I read it. Yeah. I was like, okay. I'm about to break. <laughs> yep. I think anybody who was a uh, a young man in the early 2000s uh, thought the same thing reading that. I, I think so. <laughs> it's probably safe to say. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then we are back briefly with Nina, who's frightened and alone in the darkness waiting waiting her mm-hmm. final night um, yeah and she's uh she's feeling some guilt about what she's done she's like uh i really am a no good person i couldn't bear the nail on one finger so she's she's upset and she says like even at a time like this i'm only worried about myself thanks to me right now elaine is dot 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 yet still it hurts i don't want to die uh at which point she uh, is eh, maybe not rescued quite yet. Jury's still out on yeah, that. Yeah, they're still in but, the middle uh, of the Luca troubles. And Ishidro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Luca shows up along with Ishidro and good guy Jerome. And uh, they're they're there to, to, to bust her out. Um, however, unfortunately, any relief is short-lived because uh, she remembers that Elaine is... Uh, Elaine, as as she knows, Casca is in the torture chamber, and uh, she's probably, uh, you know, getting the business. Uh, but little does she know that she's actually a big goop monster now. Yes. Uh, and there's a great <laughs> there's a great panel of them just like looking down the hallway, and uh, the entire space is just completely filled by, um, the 
blood demon or what have you. It actually uh, it reminds me very much of uh, the monster in Resident Evil 7. Who I don't know if you've played that or seen it, but there's a there's like a boss encounter that looks almost exactly like this, just like a big goopy face. Mm. Yeah, I I uh, did not. Um... Yeah. On that note, the Resident <laughs> this is top slightly uh, t- off topic topical, but the demo for Resident Evil Three um, just came out, so I, I did set that for download to take a peek. Oh, I uh, you you best believe that is literally exactly the first thing I'm doing as soon as we <laughs> stop recording here, because I I also set it to download as soon as uh, pretty much as soon as I woke up. Nice. So, that is. For those curious, for those listening way in the future, by the time you listen to this, I will have played the Resident Evil 3 remake demo for PS4. Yes, yes. Uh, we get the um, terrible torture chamber sequence of all the melty people. It's a lot of... Like, even the everything that had skin on it and flesh has now been stripped into skeletons. Um, even the hanging bodies upside down are now mm-hmm. uh, skeletonized. Um we have the most fearsome and spooky creature ever, the mobile armored helmet. But nope, it's just Puck. Um, he survived <laughs> the carnage by um, hiding under a helmet. Somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see the little the armor moving there and you're like, oh no, is there going to be like a still alive head in there? Nope. Yeah, or one one blood monster, just one goop. Nope, it's just sad, <laughs> sad. Puck. Yeah, and he's and Puck is just like, yeah, I snuck in here so I could rescue Casca. Like I had, I had, yes, I had to have the heavy armor on to battle them. Yeah, like obviously. Yeah, he's literally donning heavy armor to mow down the enemy. It's it's good. He's just gonna do his <laughs> thing. Uh, and then this is where. Uh, the the shock of all this carnage um, has unleashed the elf vision within Farnese, and she can finally see Puck and have a horrible flashback memory yeah, when yeah. she was She's like, um, going to bisect herself with a sword. So that's that's still there. <laughs> She'll probably be dealing with that trauma for a little while. I'm imagining. Yeah, very much so. You know, it seems like the kind of thing that would stick with yeah, you. Pro- probably. In my opinion. But, uh, yeah, they all leave and she's just ruminating and sees a little bit of the blood things. And she's like, wait, wait, wait for me, guys. <laughs> I'm coming to you. Uh, and we get the the culmination of all of this uh, with our, our good boys, the um, the the executioners defending uh, Lord Mosgus. Uh, against the tide, the very disgusting, bloody tide. And Musgus is just, we have nothing to fear. Now is the time for our faith to be tested. Our mouth shall not call out for God to save us. Faith demands our all. I devout myself gladly to this trial. Repent, thou dead, even as the walls burst and all the huge goopy um, <laughs> come in. It's like, I can't, all I could think of is... um uh, uh, dead alive or um, uh, brain dead. I think is the UK title of it, but it's yeah, uh, alternate uh, title. Yes, yeah. and mm-hmm. the the priest who's kick ass for the Lord. It's <laughs> just like kung fuing the zombies, <laughs> and that's all I could think of at this moment because Moscus is a big man, and I think he would also try to kung fu the zombies. 
with his big book. Yeah, probably. His legs, he's, his joints might be a little stiff, though, from uh, throwing himself to the stone yeah, around 500 times but, a day. But we get this, it is through death that we is by faith. And he's got the fervent, mad uh, eyes looking to the side face and his big book with actual bloodstains, like, still on it and in the pages for me, like, bludgeoned the one dude. Yeah, that's really good. It's good. And far above is Spider-Man, Spider-Man Descends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, descending, and then the very last panel of this volume is uh, the eyes, it, the glowing it eyes. Leaving us to marvel at what could be the true identity of Spider-Man. Mm. If only we could get a photograph. I'm excited to find out. We'll find out in volume 20. I'm excited. But, uh, yeah, that wraps, uh-huh. that wraps us up for this episode. We will also, um, because of how this arc is structured, be tangentially taking a look at the 2016, um, CGI animated series of questionable <laughs> production value, but we'll watch it anyway, because that's what we do. Uh, we will not be going episode by episode for that. We'll just kind of take it in chunks, um, in, in, as we discuss, um, the, the volumes as well so i don't believe we'll be devoting an entire episode or episodes to just the uh animated series we'll 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 kind of play it a little bit by ear when we take a look at it specifically but um look forward to that listeners look forward to listening to that i don't you know you know how it goes we'll be talking about it <laughs> but uh yeah there's mm-hmm. a lot going on in this there's more more uh cards at play i think there's more things happening um so there's more investment in what's going on so we'll look forward to that too yep things are happening we're building to something oh yeah there's gonna be a festival it'll be great i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) can't wait all right we will catch you all next time this will be up well if you're listening to it it's already up so don't worry about that it will be up soon but uh yeah um as usual (laughs) (laughs) the sweet dulcet tones of jake leinhardt send us off bye-bye y'all later